Welcome to the Pitting Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Dick Briggs, ready to talk wrestling at a few different levels here this week. Uh, excited for uh, the boys' wrestling season to begin to join uh, girls and uh, college competition going on. And uh, Coach Briggs, you know what are you, what are your thoughts about you know? When the calendar flips to December, even though we're still a few days away from that, but uh, it just seems like kind of the atmosphere changes a little bit with with wrestling, um, everything being kind of full steam ahead. Right. This is the year where the calendar falls back. So we are kind of dipping into November a little bit. So your point is taken. Uh, it's it's wrestling season. It's on. It's like, OK, here we go. It's a new new a chapter, a new a, a new edition of uh, high school wrestling. And if you're in, you know, back in a school, then it's your school's you know uh, edition of of the of the season and of their history. So um, it's, it's going to be fun to watch the growth. And boy, looking around the state of Iowa at the high school level, oh man, is it going to be a fun season? I'm trying to decide. I think I'm more excited this year in this order: three A early on is, is going to be exciting, I believe. Then I'm going to go with 1A and then 2A. I just, you know, I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to all of them, but I'm trying to rank which ones here. So I'm going to go 1A, 2A in, in excitement and just really, uh, it, you know, I, I just think uh, 2A is, you know, is fun and all that, but it's, it, it, uh, I just see a little bit more excitement for whatever reason than the other two. So. Uh, we got a lot to uh, a lot from uh, a specific duel, a big duel this week uh, on the college level. Uh, we'll also mention uh, uh, some D three stuff coming up. Uh, we'll look ahead to this weekend, big weekend, especially for Iowa State and you and I heading out to Las Vegas, uh, and then we'll uh, delve into the high school ranks. Uh, as well on the back half, but let's uh, let's jump to uh, Sunday's duel at Ames, um, the Cyhawks series duel, the 87th uh, edition of these two programs, uh, butting heads. Iowa comes away with an 18-14 victory. I think a lot of people thought this was a year Iowa State could. I know we talked about how, boy, it really seemed like a lot of different different scenarios could play out, uh, and a lot of them favoring Iowa State. Um, but Iowa comes away a big bump uh, decision in, in weights, plugging in uh, national qualifier from a year ago, and Iowa wins its 19th straight, and Tom Brands remains unbeaten as a Hawkeye head coach against the Cyclones. Right, and, and I'll even go so far as to say, after the 133-pound match, I'm thinking, okay, Iowa State might have this thing. You know, after after kind of, I'm going to call it maybe uh, an upset, a mild upset there. And uh, and then Iowa comes back and wins, uh, I think, five of the last six matches. And uh, with that, uh, with the bump you're saying, with the, you know, you were talking about that last week, with the depth that Iowa has in that upper middle in the, uh, those upper middle weights. And then Kennedy uh, obviously came back and looked very healthy. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, and of course, uh, um, 
plugging in the, the true freshman at, at 84, bumping up away the, the day before he found out and, uh, uh, and pulling out that big upset there. So I'm not sure it's an upset or not. <laughs> Who knows with, with Arnold? He's so strong. And I know he's been very, I mean, two, his first two dual matches have been, get, have been against former All Americans, and he's come away with wins uh, uh, both times. Right. And, I mean, uh, and, you know, that's impressive. Right. And he brings, I mean, the, the, what he brings to the mat. In physical ability, his strength, his speed, his—I mean—he looked like an eighty-four pounder. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, he was cutting down to seventy-four the day before, and then you know, puts the weight back on. You know, and then I mean, he—he—he's uh, going to be short, so but he deals with that because it's hard to—to—it's uh, hard to get to his legs. You know, even and even when you get to his legs, we saw it last year with with he and Tate Nakamura. And uh, Tate had a hard time finishing on him because he's got such good flexibility. And, I mean, he's, he's pretty much the total package. I'm trying to remember who, who he kind of reminds me of. Uh, you know, maybe a Joe Williams. Is that fair? Uh, sort of a wrestler. Uh, um, but but I, I'm going way back. Bud Palmer, kind of a wrestler. <laughs> that is way back. Yeah. And I, and I tell you, you know, how many times have we uh, seen – Oh, uh, wrestlers, when they go to finish, right, um, you know, brands over and over has talked about how, you know, when you when you have guys, especially in this day and age when people can roll and everything, uh, that you, you have to stick them right into the mat. You have to drive them down and, you know, emphatically put a, you know, finish on things and, his takedown against Whitlake and that takedown against Feldkamp, he did that. He exploded, you know, he popped his hips on that takedown on the edge of the mat and just drove Feldkamp. You know, Feldkamp can be funky, can do some things, um, but he just drove him straight into the mat, was able to get around. You could tell Feldkamp was trying to reach around for maybe a, a chin whip, um, but he stayed tight explosive finish that and as a freshman against you know established and accomplished wrestlers that you know i thought that was pretty telling about gabe arnold's not a typical true freshman right and, and with those takedowns that you just spoke of in those first two matches i, I imagine he spends a lot of time in the weight room because that, those were good <laughs> good you know lifts and those explosive power list that you that you work on and you know the weight room for sure well let's let's just kind of go through uh uh in kind of in a linear fashion you know 125 was thought to be you know kind of the fulcrum of the duel that whoever wins that match is really gonna be in the driver's seat you know drake ayala came through uh you know a takedown early then added one late um but I think a lot of people probably thought with Iowa taking that, they really had uh, a strong avenue. Um, good job of Ayala uh, rebounding. But, you know, at that point, did you feel, okay, this is, this is going to sway things in Iowa's favor? Absolutely. Yeah. I thought, uh, and it, 
when I, I kind of knew that was a possibility that I, I was Tarakino can be to me a little bit hot cold and uh and the score was seven two. It was closer than that because I think there was a late takedown that was that you know Tarakino was going after and kind of gave up. But but uh, um, I I just thought that Ayala was going to win that. So and we had talked about that last week that we thought twenty five and, and eighty four were the pivotal matches, the ones we've already talked about. <laughs> and uh, it ended up so when I when I won that, I thought, yep, okay, here we go. I was got you know swinging, but then of course one one thirty three happens because I had penciled in Teske to win that myself so see you may have penciled in um i'll admit i had it written in ink you know <laughs> i i thought of all the matches that we talked about that could go either way i think two of them were ones i thought were pretty set in stone and another one close just because of the rankings but you know i thought bastida and Teske were two you could bank on and pretty much Carr, even though Caliendo is ranked in the top five. Um, that was one of the two or three matches that I thought was a lock. And here, Evan Frost, what a, what a big performance from him uh, knocking off number eight, Teske. And uh, you know, great match. The flurry in the first period, you know, uh, just incredibly exciting, I think. I mean, you know, I love that sort of thing. And then the third period in Frost's behalf, he had a, you know, takedown and then the, the three-point near fall and uh, and then the ride out. So I, you know, my, I kind of coined that as the takeout, takedown ride out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but uh, he's tough on top. Now, am I remembering, is Frost a, a, a Dowling? Yes. Point area? Yeah. He was, he's from uh, Louisiana. Him and his brother uh, transferred to Dowling. And finished uh, their high school careers there in, in Iowa State. Um, you mentioned the you mentioned the scramble and the flurry in the first, where Frost looked like he was about to give up three, and then was able to get out of it without any points scored. I mean, it was a tremendous uh, uh, scramble. If that. If that doesn't turn out that way, if Teske gets that takedown, we're looking at a totally different match, aren't we? Right. And, and if you go back one match, I think Tarakina did bail out and gave up the takedown, and that was the difference in the match. And here's Frost did not in that first period, and that ended up being the difference, at least in his behalf, you know, in, in the match. And uh, so there's two great examples of what you're saying. One – one battled in there, you know, Frost battled in there, and then Terrakeen, I thought, could have battled a little, a little harder on that takedown, first takedown. So, good good point, KJ. Yeah, cer certainly the, pretty much uh, probably the best case scenario after losing 125 for Iowa State was Frost coming back and getting that win. Um, and that was – you know, that was one of the few matches um, really not decided in the final minute. I think think looking at everything, I think six matches were still up for grabs in the final minute. Uh, in a couple cases, the final seconds, um, as we'll get to here with 41 and uh, 57. But, I mean, what more can you ask for as far as close bouts and, and the dual dramatics? from weight to weight, uh, 141, um, 
Woods, real Woods from Iowa got uh, got a four one decision over Anthony Anthony uh, Etchemendia uh, of Iowa State for time, but uh, there was a there was a flurry right at the end of the third period that uh, you know could look uh, could have been ruled a takedown. Um, you know, reaction time is back into the fold, you know, for those uh, hand touch takedowns or whatever. Um, kind of a weird sequence because it was ruled not a takedown and then the whistle blew with one second to go instead of letting it play out. Um, what did you see there uh, in that exchange? Because I'll be honest, once they started flurrying, uh, fans in front of us stood up. We couldn't see the bottom third of the mat. And all we really saw were heads um, until we stood up, and by then they were blowing the whistle. Right, and I and I'm seeing it on television. I was watching ESPN, so I'm I'm restricted to their coverage, which they had great coverage. And uh, but here's what, and then I've I've seen some clips later. So uh, you know, the one of the clips that I saw had the assistant ref behind the the uh, ref that's blow, that's blowing the whistle. And he's doing the countdown. Now, there, the problem that's wrong with that is the, the assistant ref now is focused on the clock. He's watching the clock, which, which is I'm, I'm thinking, maybe this is part of the reason. Maybe he was trying to divide his attention between the action and the clock because he's calling time. And actually, at the one, I, one that I saw, he tapped, I believe he tapped the, the official blow on the whistle early, at least the, the time that was on the television screen. Whether that was the actual time on the scoreboard or not, I don't know. So he tapped it early, but then they wrestled an extra second, right? They had to wrestle. So he had to have tapped him early. And the, and the wrestle, ref that blew it turned around and, and pointed to the sister ref like, that's time, right? Well, it wasn't time. So he tapped him early. And there's a new rule in wrestling, in college wrestling, with the uh, uh, reaction time, which is, it's the, that's what the rule in high school is. So... Yeah. It's, it's really kind of a mess after watching Iowa State meet. That instance, go figure, the first big meet of the year. Yeah. Uh, and it, there it reared its, its ugly head. And uh, so, anyway, um, it used to be that if the hand was down, it was a takedown. So, um, and uh, the hand was down, but he didn't have control, didn't have that reaction time. It's going to you know, get behind reaction time uh, to see if the bottom wrestler reacts out of it and, and faces or whatever. So uh, from what I saw, I thought, wow, this has got to be reviewed, either one by the ref or the assistant ref should call it, or by Iowa State throwing a brick. And none, none of that happened. And I'm, I was really scratching my head as to why. Um, I don't, I don't, to me, you know, I, I guess I needed an interpretation of the rule. Uh, and I did call one of our top officials, uh, Keith Fulman, last night. Uh, regarding that, Keith has worked over 60 national tournaments, he said, and, and 12 Division ones, and he's he's blown a final match in 11 of those 12 years that he did work it. So he was describing the the, uh, the reaction time to me, and uh, um, and uh, so you know, I think there's you, who knows we the rules committee they may uh, the I think they have an in season group that meets maybe it's coaches and the head officials and whatever and uh to discuss some issues or whatever that this may be on the docket for discussion i don't know we'll see if there's a change in that 
But from what I saw, I thought it should have been reviewed. And then I don't know, you know, go with it, whatever they decide there. But it was, it was one of those that, why don't we review it? So, uh, in the post, uh, in the post meet press conference with Kevin Dresser, and I'm trying to remember, I'm not sure if it was this bout, if it was at 157 that we'll talk about in a second. Um, you know, with that, the ending of that match, but. He talked about one of the reasons why he didn't, uh, why they didn't review. And he talked about how coaches are kind of, uh, kind of instructed or advised by officials and by, I mean, maybe other coaching leaders that based on the, the referee's um, demeanor, and you know, uh, kind of what they they're showing, it gives you an idea of whether or not that was something they're in question. Uh, he thought they looked like they were really confident in their call, and that they weren't interested in. You know, it didn't seem like it was likely anything would get overturned because they seemed extremely confident in the call that they made, and they've been kind of showing. You know, if they look over at the table or maybe they'll even go to the table and say, Coach, we're going to look at it, save your breath, and try to do that um, to help teams with challenges that if it was something in question, he said they didn't give that impression. So that's why uh, they didn't think reviewing would be uh, helpful, of course, with that. And 174, in hindsight, I think Kevin Dresser said, yeah, we may have uh, – we may have made some coaching mistakes throughout the school, and I think reviewing and uh, a decision at 174 was kind of a uh, an example of maybe they uh, uh, have some regret not doing that. Okay, in in reference to the 141 end of the match, to if he's saying, you know, saying that he being dresser and company are saying that. Because they're the ones that would be throwing the brick. Uh, I just, I, 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 I still have to question them. There was one second on the clock, and they had to do a restart. Why wouldn't they, they being the Iowa State coaches or even the officials, see that they, oh man, we messed up here. There's still a second and, on the clock. We should. Go and the with- other thing he said about 141 was he, they felt Etchmendia, uh had an advantage in in conditioning at the time. They thought Woods was tired. They didn't. They also didn't want to take a break there. Um, That's his because over. they thought they had an advantage with that as well. But that was the third period, end of the match, huh? Yeah, but then it was going into overtime. They didn't want the extra break. They wanted to get right into overtime, thinking that Woods was tired. Mm, okay, but yeah, yeah. See, and then, like I said, I think Dresser kind of. You know, kind of looking back at it, realized they, uh, I think there are a few things, including that, that if they had gone back, if if they could go back and do over again, they would have handled it differently. Right. And, and then looking back, it almost looked like Hachimandia was the one that was tired <laughs> in, in the, <laughs> in the down in overtime. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you never know. And that's something you think about as a coach. I have to agree, agree with that, you know. And, you know, it's just, it's just an, 
another example in this duel where everything was so razor thin, you know, that uh, even with rankings and, and stuff, uh, everything just came down to the last bit. One of the matches that really didn't, um, and I think of the decisions, you know, let's take Bastida and Carr out of it because they were dominant. Uh, Casey Swiderski mm-hmm. uh, really, really impressed me. Uh, you know, he came out two takedowns in the first period, and he looked really good at 49 beating uh, Voinovich. Um, was it 7-3 or something like that? 6-3, yeah. 6-3. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I have not watched Voinovich wrestle much. Um, coming from Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma. And, and um, uh, you know, so other than the you know, national tournaments and such, but so, but we saw Swiderski last year. We saw him in this duel last year, uh, put up a battle and, and uh, almost getting a push and shoving match. <laughs> so he's, a, yeah. he's a, he's a, 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 you know, I put, I, I just get this street tough mentality out of him. You know, he's, he's one that would, you know, not only want to beat you out on the map, but maybe go say, let's go outside out back and, <laughs> That's a really, but I like that man. You know that, that sort of an attitude, but bringing it to the mat as long as they're not, you know, you know, mm-hmm. pushing and shoving sort of thing. So, uh, but the, one thing that I noticed with with Swiderski, that guy clears ties fiercely. When you, I mean, he like bangs him hard, and that's what sets up his shots. And so you can't really get much going because you're never you never have much of a tie up on him. And uh, so he did a nice job of, of fending off Voinovich with that. Uh, by clearing his ties and snapping and, and, and just enough to, you know, keep, I don't know that Vonovich had a, a shot of the whole match. I don't think really, if I recall. So, uh, you know, kudos, like you said, Swiderski really controlled that match. Of course that, uh, that tied things again, six, six, and then Iowa, uh, Jared Franick ranked number two, uh, posted a four, two win over Cody Chittum. A uh, lot of uh, uh, angles there with uh, Chittum gray shirting last year, wrestling with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, um, then making the move to to Ames in between seasons. Down the lineup, uh, Franek could transfer in from North Dakota State. Uh, you know, so so a lot of uh, I guess history there between uh, Chittum and Iowa. And this was a, a close match, 4-2 uh, in favor of Franick, who had a uh, the first takedown. But, again, it was kind of a flurry at the end with Franick holding on. And then at the edge, Chittum looked like he uh, uh, may have had a go-behind with time running out. Um, but it was ruled no takedown, and Franick held on to win. Uh, by two. Right. And uh, I agree with you on that first takedown. I, I thought it was a quick call. You know, and going back to the 41 pound match when it was more of a controlled, you know, call. And so I, I thought, boy, that was awful quick. That was my ni- initial knee jerk reaction when I saw, boy, that was a quick two or uh, three, <laughs> three. <laughs> and uh, um, rather than, you know, after watching, you know, two weights earlier where it was, you know, there was a slow call. So that was my initial reaction on that. So I agreed on that quick takedown. 
And then, uh, and then at, at the end of the match, you know, I, I watched that. I mean, it was so fast. You had to go see it, uh, you know, where you could slow it down and watch. You can see the clock in the background on that one, the, the actual clock. I, uh, if I remember right on the, on the table and, uh, Boy, I mean, I went back and forth and back and forth, and I think it was the right call. So on that one, um, that it was at the takedown when there was control was after the, the it went to zero. Okay. So, so um, you know, that, if they had reviewed that, I don't, I don't think they would have changed it. I think it would, the takedown would not have been called. Well, but, they did review that one. Oh, they did review that one. Okay, that one was reviewed. Yeah, yeah that, that was the one they did review. Okay. Yeah. And that was a that was an official's review. They did that on their own. Um, right. Iowa State didn't have to to challenge, which which makes forty one even more confusing, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, yeah. so I'm kind of bringing was, a lot of my perspective as a coach and and an official into this. So I, I, I I'm looking at these calls from my official's hat with my official's hat on i'm going what uh -huh. so if it sounds like i'm leaning one way or another i'm not i'm actually trying to evaluate it with the you know with the whistle in my hand sort of attitude so uh at 165 david carr dominant dominant there uh actually really close to to getting a tech fall um it's crazy how that three-point takedown really um, can allow wrestlers to, to spread the gap a little bit. Um, Carr just, this is the second, uh, second top five win in a row. And, uh, he's, he's looked really good so far. And I don't know, I can't remember if it was this Sunday, but I saw da a picture of David Carr wearing an Iowa state poncho and gray Crocs on the edge of the mat and you have to be one tough son of a gun to be able to pull off wearing uh, an Iowa state poncho and great Crocs without getting any kind of uh, feedback. Say if I tried that, um, they'd run me out of the state, but David Carr, I tell you what, uh, he can pull it off and, uh, when you're when you're as good as he is, uh, you can do pretty much whatever you want. And he showed that on Sunday. I think that's society. When you're a, when you're a person of, of interest, of, you know, an idol, so to speak, a, a, you know, someone that people respect and that sort of thing. And whether it be in the music industry, the entertainment industry, the athletic arena, um, you can. I think you can be a trendsetter, maybe yeah. a trendsetter. Hey, hey speaking of that, they came out in the robes. I was you just like that? It's just going to ask that. Yep. They came out in the robes. Uh, I like that with Iowa State. I don't know if they've done that uh, routinely because I don't get to see a lot of live uh, Iowa State duels being on this side of the state. Um, and, of course, we have Rob Gray, who is our Iowa State correspondent. But uh, I I like seeing him come out in the robes. I like the nostalgic uh, part of it. Right. And, and uh, I think they started doing that last year. And then to add to the nostalgia, I don't know if you even noticed it. I'm sure you did, but I love the Jack Trice uh, reference design on the back of the singlets, the, the lines oh. that, from the Jack Trice uniform. Um, gotcha. 
I I didn't put two and two together. I didn't realize uh, that's what that was actually connected to. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a sad story, but let's, let's, you know, there's, there's a hero. Let's revel in that. And, and I'm glad that Iowa State is, is not even just grabbing onto it, but, but they're, they're starting to show that around the, you know, their different uniforms. That's cool. I liked it a lot. Very much so. That was neat. Uh, now, the, the stretch that really turned things around, we talked about Arnold's win over Feldkamp at 184. Patrick Kennedy made his debut, though, at 174. That kind of kicked off the, the three-match uh, streak that sealed Iowa's, uh, uh, was it, 69th win um, in the series. But Kennedy comes out, uh, builds a 12-4 lead. Um, after two periods, ends up having to hold on for a 14-13 win over MJ Gatton. Um, you know, this was, uh, you know, this was a wild match that, you know, Kennedy, uh, really came out and established things. Um, the first two periods kind of ran out of gas, uh, in the third, Gatton took advantage and stormed back, but just not able to, to come all the way back. Yeah, that was a that was an awesome match. And obviously Kennedy's not been on the map because like you said, he ran out of steam there. And uh, uh you boy, can see his uh his right knee had a giant knee pad on it. I'll let I'll let viewers kind of connect the dots there, I think, with that one. Well, and I guess I'll have to too, because I don't know what's there, <laughs> but obviously uh he's been off the mat wearing a, a brace and ran out of gas. So, and, uh, and that's when I'm going, cut him, cut him, cut him in my mind yard or at, at the TV screen. And, and he's looking over and I can't see the bench on the screen, but, and this is where the, the coaches said it's our fault. Evidently they miscalculated or, you know, and, and uh, but he needed to cut him still had time to, to get a quick takedown and win the match rather than lose by one. I think they were looking at writing time and trying to run that off, which they did. Well, what I, what I didn't understand is Kennedy had over a minute of riding time. They thought the riding time was in their favor. Oh. And I'm like, how how in the world can you think? I mean, Kennedy had had like four, you know, four takedowns to that point. How in the world did you think you had a minute of riding time built up and thought that they needed five more seconds to – to tie it up 14-14 with riding time instead of, you know, you're under, cut them because you still need another takedown. I just don't understand how you make that mistake. Right. I mean, things happen fast at the end, and, and that would have been tough to get the takedown. But let's say he did cut him and got the takedown. So he was up by one with riding time. He cuts him. So now he's up by two with riding time, so three. And he and now uh, uh, he gets the takedown. It would it would tie it up and it would go into overtime. Is that right? Am I thinking that right? Because well, right it would have would not have been a if, race. So if he would have gotten the takedown, or if he would have let him go, um, he still had a chance to uh, to race riding time. He could have won by one if he uh, yeah was able to get the takedown quick enough. Right, which I didn't. I, I don't remember how much time was. I wasn't much, but 
I don't know that he would have had, you know, he had to get a real quick takedown to race right hand. At the, at the very least, he'd have been in, into overtime and with a whole bunch of momentum and a tired wrestler to try and take down. So, so 15 seconds left was when um, Gatan got his final takedown. Right. So, so how, much, how, much, how much riding time did uh, um, Kennedy have? 50 some, I think, wasn't it? It was about like 107, I think. No, it couldn't have been 107. He, he didn't get a point. He ran it off. So it hadn't been 50. Oh, I mean, he, fin he finished with 55. Okay, so 55, and you said 15? So that, so he had, he had when he got that, when uh, um, Gatan got that takedown, um, Kennedy had a minute 10 of riding time. So he would, it would have had a very, yeah, because he never did let him up. So it would have been 110 instead of 107. Then I said, Yeah, my thinking right. So anyway, it would have been fast. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what they were thinking, coaches. And they, and they took the blame on that. That's, you know, they, oh, yeah, I liked how they said that. I owe an apology to my wrestler, to the uh, Iowa State fans, the coaching staff. The bench could have done better than that. Yeah. And, you know, that says a lot that. They were they were able to accept accountability there, um, you know, because I think they actually were telling them keep them down. It wasn't just one of those things where they're they were passive, either, you know, but they're passive. Um, they were telling them stay down, you know, yeah. hold them, hold them, and then when they realized, they're like, oh, shit, oh crap, yeah. Uh, but um, and then, then like, like we mentioned, one eighty four, Arnold comes away with a big win there. Um, and that set up, up Zach Glazier, uh, with a chance to seal the deal. I thought this could be a little bit more competitive, but to be honest with you, I think Glazier really controlled things throughout. Um, I don't think Broderson was really uh. I don't think he really threatened at all uh, throughout the the match. Uh, there was one sequence, though, that really kind of surprised me or, or made me, you know, kind of shake my head a little bit. Uh, I think it was 3-1 at the time, still in the first. Um, Glacier was in on the shot and looking to finish. And Broderson looked like he was going to try to hit like a uh, like like Gator or the elevator, you know. And Glazier bailed, right? Didn't want to get thrown, you know. Possibly give up six or whatever. Kind of bailed. Broderson was able to kind of roll out, come back to his feet, and get out of the takedown. And then he makes this shot from Nevada. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, didn't need to do it. Just one of those things where he might have got caught up in the action and the flurry and just took a will, uh, real ill-advised shot from a long distance and Glacier was able just to kind of shuck him and go behind. Um, right. And that put him up two scores, which was a big difference. 
Yeah, and and Broderson Broderson with he, he looks small to me for ninety seven. Uh, he's bumped up two weight classes. Good for him, but I think he's going to struggle because of his size and because of his style of wrestling. He wants to do those upper body. He likes to do that. He's 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 really made a living in high school and uh, as, and in college at one seventy four um, with you know those types of moves. Um, he's had lots of pins because he's throwing, you know, catching people, throwing people and so forth. I don't think that's going to happen at 97 with those big bodies and his, him being smaller. So he's going to have to really work on his style. And, and you, again, you can't take those poor shots and poor position, you know, those long shots from, from Davenport, we'll say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, and, uh, um, and so, uh, um, you know, cause you're just, you're just giving points away and, uh, it, you got to keep, keep it, you know, and I, he's probably going to have to keep matches close and and look to you know maybe use his conditioning or or uh, have an ability to get on top or something. But but uh, you know he might even struggle underneath with with giving up size too. So hopefully that's not an issue. So we saw the move by we saw the move by Iowa pay dividends, right? Iowa State also had multiple uh, wrestlers at one eighty four, including uh, Tate. Uh, Nakaborn. Um there we know the history with uh Tate and, and Gabe Arnold having you know um extremely close battles multiple times um just a year ago. Um were you surprised they didn't try to maybe move things around with 84 and 97, maybe move Feldcamp up, um, slide some, you know, somebody like Nakaborn. Um, trying to think of who else they had. Uh, I think they had, maybe it was, I think they had three people listed um, there at uh, 184 for weigh-ins, but um, are you surprised Iowa State didn't make kind of a counter move uh, with those two weight classes. You know, I did not realize that Nocturne was uh, was weighed in or someone else. And knowing that now, yeah, I'm very surprised. I mean, that could have been, that could have won the meet if they, if, you know, if Feldkamp comes up and is able to beat Glazier, you know, I, I got to believe Feldkamp must be a, a, a stronger wrestler than Broderson or maybe Broderson is just able to make 97 and Feldkamp's not is even a smaller body. I don't know, but but uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised with that. Uh, we know uh, the, the third you know, person weighed in. The third person for Iowa State at 184 that was weighed in, Caleb Helgeson, uh, the former Johnston wrestler, redshirt freshman for the Cyclones. So they had Feldkamp, Helgeson, and Nakaborn that weighed in at 84 uh, with uh, Arnold Riggins and Will Carano. Um, at 184 for the for the Hawkeyes. So, yeah, I was just a little surprised that maybe they didn't uh, maybe try to counter that a little bit. You know, I think in looking at this, I'm surprised they didn't. And that, and I'm I'm going, why didn't they do that? I don't think they gave Arnold enough credit. I thought really? they thought Bell Camp was going to win, and that was going to you know that was their chance to win the meet, and. You know, we've had a chance to see Arnold Russell. Maybe they haven't had that chance like we have. So um, if you and I are doing it, we're bumping up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I 
just would have been uh, just I think it would have been a little safer. I yeah, I don't know. It was kind of I, interesting how that played out, but you know, this you know if you have to, and I, I'm probably thinking both coaches would agree with this. You got to favor the Iowa coaches with their their moves and you know the things that happen in that meet to help win it. So not just only shifting, but some of the things within the matches. So, uh, uh, Bastida, uh, you know, still looks really, really good at heavyweight. Uh, he uh, he put up a major to close things out. Um, I mean, do you think he's can he continue to do that at heavyweight? especially with some of the big bodies with his athleticism, his ability on his feet. Is that something that can be sustained against the top heavyweights where he might be giving up some size? It's That's a big question, Mark, without, without a doubt. I mean, you, yeah, that's what I've been wondering. And uh, I, I don't know. Hills wasn't a pushover. I mean, it was a, it was a wide score in the match, but he, he is in there pushing a little bit. And so he kind of showed me a little more than I maybe have even expected there. So, so, and I don't know if that's as much hill as it is Bastida size or I don't know. So I agree hundred percent with you. We'll, we'll watch and see on that one. Cause I don't know. So uh, the just received a email. The NWCA has released uh, the latest uh, division one coaches poll. Uh, no surprise, Penn State number one. Um, NC State remains number two. Missouri remains number three. Iowa still number four. Iowa State, uh, even with uh, the loss, stays at number eight. Um, Northern Iowa at number 16. So uh, um, Iowa, Iowa State pretty much stay put um, after that uh, result. I think that's... I think that's reasonable. Uh, Ohio State, Cornell, Michigan uh, fill the five, six, seven spots. Nebraska, Virginia Tech round out the top ten uh, there. The question I want to ask you, I didn't get to see the ESPN uh, uh, product of the duel. How did it go? I, I, I know you mentioned a few things um, uh, throughout us talking about the meet, but what what was your uh, what was your impression of how ESPN handled this uh, duel, which, as we mentioned, the first live regular season duel that they have broadcast? They did a, an excellent job, and and you're going to bring in commentators, you know, like Jim Gibbons and and uh, this guy named Jordan Burles. You may have heard of him. Uh, uh, might have a future to him, right? <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is just it is a, in the wrestling itself, you know, Tom Brand spoke of this. It's the product on the mat. And it didn't disappoint. It was a every match. You know, it was a great one. You know, not the heavyweight match. By then, the 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 meet is decided and it's a kind of one sided affair. But other than that, I mean, you're on the edge of the seat, even with Carr, you're 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 going, come on. You know, if you're an Iowa State fan, come on, let's get that tech ball. If you're an Iowa fan, you're going, come on, prevent that tech ball. It's an extra point, you know. So, uh, you know, so there's drama in, in all of those. Even, you know, so um, it was it was well done. I, I hope they do more. But again, it's you know, ESPN is going to want to have meets that are 
you know, they're good uh, combative meats like that. So, mm -hmm. um, one other thing uh, I want to touch on before we uh, move on here, the three point takedown, right? A lot of people have talked about that change supposed to uh, encourage offense. I don't know if it necessarily does that, but it, it does alter things a little bit, you know, in kind of an exciting way. And, and I'll point to, you know, 165, 174, where, you know, that three-point takedown made coming back in the third period um, a, a reality, really. If that's a two-point takedown, and, of course, maybe it's not 12-4 starting the third, but, right. you know, the three-point takedown really allowed some – uh, exciting, you know, exchanges because he was able to eclipse almost an eight-point deficit in, in a period. Um, and then I think with Carr and Caliendo, at one point in the match, it was Carr being two takedowns away from bonus points in the second period and Caliendo still being two takedowns away from you know, tying the match or being in the lead. It was, it, was it, it has that, you know, type of effect that, you know, if one swing, if it swings one way or even swings the other way, it can make a huge impact on not just the match, but the duel. And I kind of like, I kind of, I kind of like that aspect. Right. I'm going to bring up one of my points and the tee it up. So I'll eliminate okay. it. Up. But that was one of my points. And, and I was trying to get something that I could that I could compare to the three point two point takedown debate. And so here's here's what I came up with: the three point. And I don't like, I'm not getting political or anything. I'm just trying to get something to compare. So the three point takedown is like raising minimum wage. You know what's yeah. the point if all the costs go up to recover the the higher wages? So in other words, if you're getting you know, if you're giving up three and you and you're the other guy can get three. What's the difference? I said, you know, like you said, it wouldn't be 12 to four if it was a two point takedown. It's still, you know, it'd be the difference of that. And so, um, and anyway, so, you know, I get, you know, I, I get it. I think what's their, the intent of this is to entice people to go up on their feet rather than wrestle on the mat. So I think that, that the thought is let's make wrestling more exciting by putting people up on their feet to wrestle takedowns rather than try and return someone. And we didn't see very many turns in that meet. And you typically don't in a high, high powered meet like that. But, but I think that's the intent of the rule. I like Mike, Matt Russellin. I'm, I mean, I, I love watching a hammer on top, you know, you know, think back to some of the leggers through the years and uh, that type of cradlers, you know, uh, but uh, um, what's, what's I'm, uh, is the cradler that was, Kale Sanderson's teammate, uh, Heskett, Joel Heskett. Heskett, Joel Heskett. You know, take that away from, from him. Oh, man. He is so fun to watch Russell with that cradle. But uh, I even look at Spencer Lee. You know, well, I, I, yeah. I love watching Spencer Lee on top and getting turns. And, and the one thing that people, I think, overlook, you know, they look at that trap arm tilt and how he's able to turn people at will. But, you know, Lee was fantastic when it came to transitioning when he wanted, you know, when the opportunity was there to transition into something and 
put guys over on their back for a pin, he could do that as well. And, right. you know, you, maybe you don't do that with three-point takedowns because guys are so anxious to catch and release kind of kind of thing. Right. And, uh, you know, so in, in tight matches with, with high-ranked ki- kids, or in, in even with whatever-ranked kids, you're probably – it's not going to make a difference. You know, that it's still going to go down to the, you know, those close matches. So, I, I mean, I don't see – you know, maybe riding time will be a factor as much, but you know, but it's going to blow out, blow away all the major season and career records and and technical fall season and career records because there's going to be a lot more of them now with the three point takedown majors and tech falls, a lot more bonus points. So it's I'm still up in the air as to whether I like it or not. We'll see, but I will miss Matt Russell. Um. So Iowa moves on. They uh, had to pen this Friday uh, to face Penn um, on the road. Uh, they'll come back uh, December 8th uh, to host Columbia before a little bit of a break um, with finals and in the holidays. Um, Iowa State and you and I head out to the Cliff Keen in Las Vegas. And speaking of you and I, uh, with uh, a lot of teams kind of uh, taking a break during uh, Thanksgiving week. Uh, Parker Kaisen did not get a break. Uh, wrestling last Tuesday uh, at the NWCA All-Star Classic at Penn State. Uh, Keck Eisen with a 7-5 win over Bernie Truax. Uh, a one-versus-two match at 184. And another example of... Parker Keckeisen's tenacity, uh, get, getting a late takedown um, on the edge to win 7-5. So that's good. Parker Keckeisen. I mean, I just love watching that guy. I didn't get to see the entire match, but here's a guy that well, – Penn State has five kids in the, in the, in the All-Star meet. He's the only one that beat a Penn State guy. Evidently, he was chasing <laughs> – uh, he was in on a lot of leg att- attempts. We'll say that. And then Truex somehow went off the mat. I don't know how he did all those things. So, and then again, even at the end of the match, when he did get the takedown, uh, you know, he, he uh, was, you know, Truex is way off the mat, but uh, Kakaisen had, you know, just enough on the mat to score the takedown and win the match. And uh, the one versus two, man, I just love that guy. He's a goer. He just, you know, all the time. Now, here, think about this. Potential matchup. If they keep Arnold, you know, if they if they keep the, the red shirt off of him and, and wrestling this year, you've got a potential Kakaisen uh, Gabe Arnold match, you know. So instead of Gabe Arnold calling out uh Starochi, who moved up a weight, now he's gonna be calling <laughs> out Panther uh across the state you know, Mayfair or whatever. So I I tell you, you know, when you look at uh you know, when you look at the uh, the schools, you have, you know, you had Spencer Lee. You know, Real Woods is ranked number one. Um, you know, you see what Gabe Arnold's done. He's exciting uh, to watch right now. Um, you've got Keck Eyes and you've got David Carr. I mean, all three programs have that uh, – those title contenders that are, that can be fun to watch. And I mean, gosh, this wrestling in the state of Iowa is 
you've got to be excited for it, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one other thing about the All-Star meet, uh, we mentioned it last week, but they had uh, at 157, the Division II net returning national champ, and, the, and at one uh, and that versus the Division Three returning national champ and uh, uh, hurdle, um, Circle's first name, um, uh, Nick, no uh, Nolan Hurdle was uh, ended up beating Nick Novak uh, from uh, Hurdle from uh, Wisconsin Lacrosse, and then he beat uh, a Novak from uh, Saint Cloud. So uh, that was a, kind of a neat thing, and it's neat to see the Division Two and Division Three in there. It's not at all. Division one tournament. Speaking of all division one tournament, the Cliff Keen tournament that you mentioned this year is all division one, I believe because of the R, what is it, RPI rating? Oh, okay. So take the lower schools out, which stinks, but, but uh, you know, that's, it makes sense. So it, that, that being said, it makes it for an even tougher tournament. Exactly. Okay. I think 15 of the top 20 ranked teams uh, in that field uh just want to mention uh, uh, some of the local uh, or wrestlers with Iowa ties that also competed at uh, Penn State in the NWCA Classic. Uh, Tanner Sloan um, came up on the, the short end at 197 against uh, NCAA champion Aaron Brooks. Brooks with an 11-2 major uh, there at 197. Um, but Two uh, Iowa women came away with uh, wins. Adago Wachaku uh, 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 from William Penn uh, beat uh, Yaley uh, Icock from uh, North Central 11-7. Uh, that was her second great win in the All-Star Classic, by the way. Uh, she competed in it last year as well. and um, That's something that uh, might be a first, I think, for – for women uh, competitors in the event. And then Marilyn Didi at 160, uh, the Iowa Hawkeye beat Latifah McBride from Life University, number one ranked wrestler in NAIA. Uh, Didi won uh, eight to three there um, as well. Um, you know, a uh, couple other things that kind of stand out. 165, Isaac Olenek, Oklahoma State, uh, handled Dean Hamity eight to two. I uh, looked really impressive. Uh, um, Okie State Cowboy did, and then uh, Carter Scarocci dominated Mackay Lewis in a battle of NCAA champs 11 0. Um, but the Cliff Keen, this coming up, I tell you what, this is uh, one of the marquee, marquee events in the first half of the season. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on that one for sure. I mean, it's when you get to tournaments like that, that's national championship type tournament. And uh, it's it, you, you look at the quarterfinals. You don't even go back to the semis, <laughs> to the quarterfinals to see great matches and, and that sort of thing. So absolutely, that's a deep tournament. Uh, I, any uh, – you you maybe mentioned uh, you had a note or two about uh, D3? Yeah, there wasn't any D3 or D2 competition this, this week. But I uh, just wanted to mention that uh, that Co, who, who the, the the local area schools are going to be wrestling, uh, Co will be uh, wrestling. They're kind of off this week, and they'll wrestle December sixth versus uh, your alma mater, uh, Buena Vista, and then Cornell uh, is uh, on December second at the at this Saturday 
at the MSOE uh, Invitational, and that stands for KJ Milwaukee School of Engineering. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> and uh, um, I think both Cole and Cornell are going to have fun teams to watch this year. They're going to be uh, you know a lot show lots of improvement over the season. So. Um, Loris is yeah. uh, up at August. Can I just share? Can I just share an interesting fact about Milwaukee School of Engineering? You bet. School I could not get in. Anyway, <laughs> I, I me either for that man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, thanks for that tip. <laughs> anyway, Loris is up at at Augsburg. I think it's a triangular with. Uh, I'm not sure who the third team is, but but. Uh, so uh, number one, Augsburg. Uh, so they'll be, you know, Loris will have their hands full there. Uh, and then uh, UD is up at, is at on Saturday at the Ohio Northern University Invitational. And then Luther uh, is in Waverly on Friday. So um, um, anyway, that's the local. The, so the Luther-Wartburg duel on Friday night. Right, yeah. So that you can, in most of those duels, you can go to the school hosting in this case, up in Waverly, go to the Warburg Night Vision, and uh, you can watch it for free. Those meets are for free. Uh, and then, uh, what? Who else has a duel? I guess that's the only one that had a duel this week locally here. So, uh, as we get ready to to transition to high school, perfect time for your weekly uh, segment. Teen it up with Briggs. What do you have for us this week? Tee it up. It's kind of early, so I've got this going. Kind of a pass the hash for you old Gazette. Guys, <laughs> that is. But uh, so, in other words, it's a potpourri of different different things. So, uh, here we go. Uh, teeing it up with, with Briggs. Preseason early rankings are very difficult and time consuming to do, both at the college and high school level. That being said, there's been over 60 upsets of higher ranked wrestlers in college so far in the first two or three wow. weeks. It's crazy. Uh, many top 10 and a lot, and two. Number one ranked and defending national champs, like we mentioned, have already been beaten. What a season to look forward to, right? You know, you mentioned there was a possibility of having a, a third one, and we almost saw it on Sunday. You're right. The, you, the, almost call, you almost called that one. Yeah, that one. We didn't want that one, though, really, did we? Well, I guess one half the state did. Okay. Uh, Iowa being the only state in the country to target college athletes is criminal in itself in, the, in this gambling situation. If you think Iowa, Iowa State are the only schools in the nation, or state for that matter, think again. Also, how many band members, doctoral candidates, uh, general population students have been targeted? I think Coach Brands and Dresser are correct. Ask the right questions to the right people. College re reaction time, we talked about that, and the new rule is not working so far. I think that's going to have to be amended or something. Gravy is the king of the can uh, Thanksgiving dinner. It's the glue that binds. <laughs> the three-point takedown, uh, we, we talked about that. I'll skip that. So uh, 8,207 8, world attendance record for the women's wrestling in Iowa City. That's cool. Uh, uh, Iowa football, two interceptions in the last minute and a half, and a first-time kicker as a Hawkeye just barely clears the, the crossbar to win it at the buzzer. You can't make this stuff up. The Iowa State football shootout in the snowball. I don't know if you watch that or not. Where Iowa State scores more points, 45, than offensive plays ran, 35. The wow. two teams combined for nearly 1,000 yards in the snow. That's wow. crazy. And uh, I think uh, um, uh, Kansas State had 105 offensive plays or something like that. Uh, it's like it or not, it's a transfer portal world, even in wrestling. 
Iowa, I think, had three, five if you count Woods and Teske that transferred, but they were kind of pre that. Uh, and uh, um, I know I haven't looked at Penn State, but I know they at least have one, right, at, at 84. Um, and it's, so it's a new world, and coaches need to be aggressive both in, in, in looking for that and also in protecting their wrestlers they have. They have to recruit their own wrestlers every day to keep them on the team. Well, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I appreciate Caitlin Clark's teammates letting her doing her thing, standing off and being unselfish. She'll pass it to you, but, man, she is fun to watch. Um, some of the Iowa marching band members capitalizing on the NIL deal, bravo. Russell, uh, so here's what my mind. Here's what kind of a guy I am. I'm walking out to the mailbox, which is about a 100-yard walk for me, and today to pick up the, I guess, to the street to pick up the the um, yard, the bins. Uh, so, I, and I hear a woodpecker up in the wood, uh, up in the tree, and I heard one yesterday as well. And it's like freezing cold at 20 degrees. They're out there banging their heads against the wood. And I think <laughs> woodpeckers are like rustlers, man. They wake up every day and they bang their heads, and then they get to soar and fly. That's my ah, cool. crazy guy. So I'm going to end it with be stronger than your excuses. Nice. <laughs> you know, the only, if you don't mind me making a comment or responding, yeah. uh, the gambling probe, you know, I'm not sure. We had other reporters cover this, right? Uh, John Stepp, some of our other uh, news reporters were the ones. John Stepp, uh, Gazette sports uh, writer that covers more Iowa football. Um, he's covering uh, Iowa women's wrestling uh, this year. He handled that. I, I don't know the exact in and outs with the DCI, stuff like uh, stuff like that about the the nuts and bolts of what went into the probe and investigations. My biggest thing about the whole thing, uh, again, not condoning what the guys did because every college athlete knows what to do. I mean, they know what they're not supposed to do, right? The thing that I think whether it was Iowa, Iowa State, or any other people that come down the pike that they prove, um, you know, from other schools that gambled illegally, if they, that ever comes up, punishment should always fit the crime. And with the NCAA, you could you could get busted for public intox or even drive the wrong way down the interstate as a as a college athlete and sit out two or three games. That seriously, that that is not a season long suspension. But yet you bet even even if it's not on your own team, if it's on your own team, yes, you should be gone. You know what? You're gonna forfeit a year if you're betting on your team, because you're changing so much. One, you could be changing the outcome. Two, you're shaking the credibility of your sport. That wasn't the case in, in a lot of these guys. How do you lose? You get four years. Four years of college eligibility. You're going to take something away 
that does less harm than somebody getting behind the wheel of a car intoxicated. Or even we've seen domestic, uh, we've seen assault and battery dealt with less harsher crimes than losing a quarter of your eligibility. Again, not saying, hey, these guys should be scot-free, but you know what? Two, three, third of the season, I get it. You're taking a whole year of eligibility away from these guys? BS. And that that's my biggest thing with it. Um, you know, the NCA really had an opportunity to revisit this stuff and restructure the punishments. And they laid an egg. They absolutely blew it when they came back. And it's not it's not an Iowa State thing with me. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, Nelson Brands or Panero Johnson or anybody or Joe Smith, whatever. These are guys, and again, it comes back maybe because we're we're really tied into wrestling, right? We've been around wrestling since we can remember. And you're a lot older than I am, so it's a lot longer for you. I'm and I have a harder time remembering, though. <laughs> <laughs> but we know how hard it is. You know, and I'm not saying it's easier for other sports, but wrestling deals with so much sacrifice and so much effort and so, you know, pain and guts and, you know, work just to just to be part of a program, not even being an all-star or all-American. It takes so much sacrifice. I remember writing a story uh, about a JV wrestler uh, spending the day with him, and it was called All Guts, No Glory. And that's 95% of wrestlers. Mm -hmm. It really is. And you sit there and you have an opportunity with this dropped in your lap and have a chance to change, you know, not, not letting them off scot-free, but understanding what is a deserved punishment for this. You're going to take a whole year away from them. Awful. Awful. Oh, I mean, so... Sorry, I, yeah, they, I really kind of kept my mouth shut about the gambling stuff for the most part, but that's since you mentioned it with your teeing off, I tee teed up. Yeah, I just my, my, uh, and, and my heart breaks for those athletes, not just wrestlers. You know, you, you had Iowa State football players, Iowa football oh, players, Iowa baseball players. Football. Noah, uh, Noah, I can't remember the. Yeah. Noah, is it Noah Johnson? Mm -hmm. uh, I can't. Maybe Nathan can. Uh, anyway, uh, shoot me a message, but, uh, and you know, so then, but you, you know, it's like, come on, you're willing to take Noah Shannon is the, Noah Shannon. Yeah. thanks Nathan. The, uh, thank, uh, anyway, the, um, um, you know, so you're willing to, to, to make gambling legal, take the money. And now we're, <laughs> we're this is what we're doing in the state. Come on. You know, you, you had to know it's a new world. You opened up the, the, the Pandora's box. So. You know, and, and like I said, why are we not targeting other, no, please don't, but why aren't we targeting other uh, students, you know, with illegal gambling and that sort of thing? In a lot of instances, it's not even illegal. You know, they're of age and you know, that sort of thing. So um, it's just an NCA violation. And like I said, um, you know, it's the, the year suspension, um, 
just does not seem like a reasonable right. penalty. And I know different states have different rules with their gambling and that sort of thing. Some states, I'm guessing, I think that Utah doesn't even have it. I'm guessing, you know, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have much with their athletes. <laughs> but yet, who knows? I mean, and, uh, uh, you know, so just, just come on, make the punishment fit the crime, like you said. Uh, any final thoughts or words uh, this yeah. week? Here we go. College at all levels. It's getting started. The boys in high school finally. And seems like if everyone else going that they <laughs> we had to wait around for them. But but uh, it's it's the same starting time, of course, for them. Um, anyway, I, I'm just excited. It's it's a fun season, fun year to be watching wrestling, as usual. So if we see you, we'll be at uh, Linmar Dubuque Hempstead on Thursday. If we see you, come up, say hi. Um, you know, love to hear from you and stuff uh, uh, when we're not uh, in the middle of working and everything. But um, we hope you guys enjoyed, uh, enjoy following along again this season. Uh, we'll be here every Tuesday. Uh, so make sure you tune in. Uh, for Dick Briggs, for Nathan Ford. We thank you everybody for watching and Coach Briggs, why don't you take us out with uh, a friendly reminder from my late friend, Wyatt Schultz. Let's keep wrestling on the move. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.